and welcome to the Listen Louder podcast, a place to have open and honest conversations around mental health. I'm Megan Gilbride, the host, and each week I'll be discussing various mental health topics with my guests. For the best experience, try listening on the Entel app, where you'll be able to see and access links to exactly what we're talking about. Today I have two beautiful guests and sisters, Nadia Narain and Katia Narain Phillips. Nadia is one of the UK's top yoga teachers and Katia is a master of food and massage. Together they are the best-selling authors of self-care for the real world and rituals for every day. They're wellness pioneers and I'm over the moon to have them as guests and can't wait for you to hear more about the amazing message that they share. Ladies, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. So self-care can be quite a tumultuous subject, I think. Um, And I've been very aware, especially when starting this podcast especially, that I didn't want it to appear preachy or um, to offer too much kind of formal advice, really. Um, It has been a place for individuals to share their own experiences and um, what they've learned through them and although as a brand you guys will understand and fall under the self-care umbrella um one of the things that I love most about what you do is your ethos that it doesn't have to be wanky and it doesn't have to be (laughs) a conscious effort to look after yourself Mm. um so I'd really love to start with talking more about your own stories and where your passion comes from for helping other people if that's okay yeah that's great so um that was one of the most important things when we wrote the book too was that it wasn't preachy or told you that you have to do x y and z and um Katy and I've both been in the food of uh, in the field of wellness for over 23 or 4 years each so we haven't really had any other jobs and um we got into wellness because of the pain that we were in so it helped to heal us and then in turn I don't know we just sort of went out there and did the thing that we knew what to do but it was way before it was ever trendy I mean we didn't even know if we could earn a living doing what we were doing when we started yeah um and is mental health something that you've both struggled with not necessarily mental health but definitely um insecurity um, you have anxiety yeah you I get a little bit of anxiety, anxiety but I mean I don't have depression mm. um and I have a little bit of anxiety but it's definitely what we both have is this huge insecurity and lack of confidence and I think that some people are gifted that by their parents and we definitely weren't and it's something we've had to go out and learn on our own Mm. and what about you Nadia um I think I probably struggled a little bit more with depression and um and I found through yoga that was the thing that would quieten my very busy mind Mm. um that would spiral into all kinds of directions so with yoga and meditation for my own personal benefit is you know how I came to it yeah and you said Katia about not feeling confident or secure um where does that come from do you think and it's something that you both battle with I guess um it comes from 
maybe the things that you're told as a child that you're not good enough or whatever you do wasn't good enough. Okay. And, um, you know, that sort of thing sticks. It doesn't really go away very easily when it's mm. embedded in you. And both of our parents were, you know, that there was addiction in our family lineage, let's say. And so um, the parenting didn't always come from a... Um, responsive place it came from a more reactive place so if anyone was hung over or they drunk too much or they'd gone out too much anything we did became the trigger for them to get angry right. and so then you kind of grow up feeling like everything you do is wrong and it took us quite a long time to get to a place where we feel happier more than we feel sad wow and with regards to that, do you think you've both lent on each other a lot to get through things like that? I mean, we definitely did as children, but there was a lot of playing us up against each other growing right. up. Um, and then more so recently, well, not so recently, like the last 15 years, years or something, oh. we've, um, when I moved to London especially, it was a lot of like, did that happen? You know, are we making this up? Oh, yeah, it did. <laughs> That's why we feel the way we are. And, you know, when you can relate to someone else and, you know, you both have been through that, it, mm. it does make it a little bit easier. Yeah. And then our dad died 13 years ago, and so we got both thrown into this very um, heightened situation. He died in India. We're half Indian. And so we had to go to India and be there for six weeks by his bedside. Oh, wow. And um, so we felt sort of on our own in this country that's, you know, India's intense at the best of times. And, um, and that made us really glue together through that experience. And then we've kind of been inseparable since. But we both left home at different times. We both left home very young. So we had a long period of time where we were both traveling and not in the same city. Oh, okay. And I think that's the one of the main things about the self-care book, I think, is that for us, the most important thing is this voice in our own heads that isn't always positive about ourselves. So, you know, we say in the book a lot, you would never talk to your best friend or your child the way you talk about yourself. And I think a lot of that came from our upbringing, yeah. you know, and so that's, that is our main premise of self-care is almost just turning that voice around and making it a little bit sweeter and a little bit gentler and a little bit kinder yeah. um, to ourselves. So it's not just about doing loads of really expensive things and adding to your to-do list, it's just being aware and paying attention. Mm, I think that was one of the things I found, especially reading um, Self Care for the Real mm. World, that it was so much more accessible because I do find things to do with self-care can be quite intimidating mm -hmm. um costly yeah. and like uh, like I said in the beginning a bit wanky mm -hmm. and a bit like oh I don't I'm not really that kind of holistic yogi type of person yeah, and I think <laughs> no well I think that that's why I yeah. resonated so much with reading both of your books that yeah. they do um it does give you that kind of insight into a, a world that is perhaps a little bit saturated with things that... I mean, any any world, like even fashion can be, you know, like mm. we love fashion, but we don't want to be 
wanky fashionistas <laughs> either. And so we've been in this world for a really long time. And like I said, we were in it before it became as trendy as it is. But there's a lot of people that come with it mm. that are not necessarily what, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. We're, we, are, we feel that we've gotten loads of benefits from it but then we can cringe at it as well when yeah. we hear the way some people talk it's a about language. it. It's a different it's language. It's like they have a whole mm. new age language that I yeah. don't relate to. And I think we definitely wanted to stay away from that in our books. Yeah, yeah. I think you definitely do do that. <laughs> but there is um, a science to meditation. There's a science to yoga. There's um, so there's practices in the book like TRE, like shaking, um, paying attention to how you nourish yourself with food, being mindful. These are all things that there is science behind mm. the benefits of those things. Yeah. So it's not just about being wanky I like that <laughs> I feel like it, it that's your word I like it, it yeah well. it's really good it's really good well on that note I think there is definitely a divide um surrounding like simple well-being tasks so about them like not solving mm. mental health problems specifically like how do you feel around that point of view surrounding self-care well I think there's certain things that you know, with a lot of mental health, things can trigger our anxiety or depression and all of those things. And usually those things are when we haven't paid attention. So if you're overworked or there's a lot going on in a particular moment and you have a tendency to get anxiety, your anxiety is gonna be triggered. So if you can start paying attention to yourself, then really simple things like taking something out of your diary that doesn't need to be there or making sure that you take the time to exercise in the day or, you know, it's like us. If we don't eat on time, we can be very reactive. Katia could scream at the kids. I could be really grumpy in my yoga class. So I think it's not about curing, but it's about paying attention to yourself mm. so that you know that certain things have to be in place so that you're not triggered as easily. I completely agree because I think there is there can be quite a negative connotation with it and people being like all oh, these simple self-care tips aren't going to solve all your problems and obviously they're not but I think that that's a really good way to look at it. Um, I was going to just say, like in Matt Haig's book, he has his list yeah. of what is going to trigger his anxiety. So what he has to stay away from, what he has to do to prevent it. And it's we do the same thing in the book with the self-care list. Mm -hmm. It's what do I need to do to take care of myself and what, what am I doing that's making me feel terrible? Yeah. And it's like Nadia said, it's really just about having awareness with yourself because if you don't know yourself you don't know your triggers mm. that's so true and I think as well with mental health especially it can be so suffocating mm. to be able to even identify what like who you are mm. or what your issues are or what your triggers might be so like having something 
like your book or similar techniques to kind of like check in with yourself mm. is a really positive place to start with identifying what it is you need because I think a lot of the time we don't even really know. Well we've got a super simple body scan in the book and it literally takes a minute or two and you just we do it throughout the day like okay how does my body feel right now? Am I feeling pain? Have I drunk enough water? Have I eaten? Am I feeling tired? And just to pay attention mm. then makes you go, I haven't eaten. I haven't drunk enough water. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it is so that you can then fix those things. And it is like seemingly simple stuff, but things that make a big impact on how you feel. Yeah. It's one thing to know stuff and it's another thing to put that stuff into action. You yeah. Know? And we don't always put it, even us who we've been in this field for such a long time, you know, Katia will often, I think I phoned her up a few weeks ago and I was sitting on my bathroom floor and I was crying and I was like, oh, nobody loves me and I don't want to teach yoga anymore. And I was just having a meltdown and she went, and it was about nine o'clock, she knew I'd just taught a class and she said, did you eat dinner? And I went, no. And she's like, that's all it is. You're just hungry. And Aww. it was literally that simple, you know, that if you just eat something and you feel fuller, you're usually not going to be as agitated yeah. as you normally would or be. Or reactive, or like reactive. you said. Mm. Yeah, That's so nice that you guys have each other to help each other through things like that and give that realisation mm. when you're stuck in a rut and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel to have someone be like did you mm. did you have something to eat mm. like that's really nice and with um talking about kind of like looking after yourself and self-care I think that living well can kind of have its own drawbacks so a full-on schedule of wellness I think can become a bit overwhelming for some and do you feel the same way about that well I think anything in extreme is it's it's an obsession yeah you know and I see that a lot with food at the at the cafe people get so obsessed with oh I can't eat this and I can't mm. you know with restrictions um that it's a problem and um because I think it can heighten anxiety I know it does for me definitely if I'm thinking oh god I should be doing this and this isn't I shouldn't be looking after myself that way and I should be doing that and then my anxiety is like bing 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 like let's obsess about the fact that you're rubbish at self-care mm, <laughs> like yeah. it can be a bit of a, a vicious circle I think sometimes I mean yeah I mean there's also I think it's called orthorexia the eating disorder now which is a overly healthy obsession with food so oh. that's become an eating disorder and I I mean I see it all the time but it's I mean what we talk about in the book is it's not about too much it's tiny little things to do and you really do feel the difference so even if it's just um make your bed in the morning when you come home it's going to be a lot more welcoming and nicer to get home to that's something I started doing after reading your book because I never used to do that and it makes such a difference so I the, can't explain yeah. it it's just I mean you do it with your dogs you go out on your walks with your dogs and I bet that's your time where you're in nature your mind gets quiet you breathe you're paying attention um Katia does that with her dog it doesn't have to be that you you know only eat certain food and you do yoga every day and you meditate for an hour and then you go and see your crystal heat it doesn't have to be difficult um 
but there are certain things that just bring a little peace of mind mm. and there's there's nothing wrong with those things too and do you think it's a bit more about creating a routine rather than it being a lifestyle change do you know what i mean like if you've if you've come from if you're coming from a really bad place or you have never kind of practiced actively looking after yourself before mm. do you think it is just about making it part of your every day yeah but it only needs to be like five minutes at the beginning of your every day like if you were to wake up do a body scan just to check in with yourself where you are how you feel you know you just sit breathe for a minute make your bed I mean that's already so many different three things that we recommend to do yeah um so it doesn't really have to be a whole life I, I think when we say when you talk about lifestyle changes that's when we fail yeah and that's what we don't want it's called small wins so when you do small wins then you feel good about yourself you're mm. not going to fail then you want to do more and it will just keep growing yeah and I think for people who are kind of in the height of depression or are really struggling with their mental health how would you say would be the best way for them to kind of approach starting things like those very simple tasks that actually for some people can be really debilitating and Mm. feel massive like Mm. I know when I was in a depressive episode I couldn't get out of bed and brushing my teeth would have been a big win Mm. for a day so I think like if somebody is really not in a place to look after themselves so can I just ask you a question yeah so when you were in that episode was there anything that did feel good that you knew like you had to look after your dogs right it was actually before I got before you got your dogs okay all right so that was a good thing to do was to get your dogs because that made you have to go out and look after your dogs yeah and I think the I think the thing to understand with depression is that there's a great saying in Buddhism, this too shall change, you know, and in depression, we can feel like we're in and we can't get out and we don't know when we're going to get out. And sometimes just knowing that this too shall change and the energy will change. And it could be that it's a little while in bed on the mm. sofa um, but knowing that the people are around that love you and when you're ready to reach out that they're there and even making sure that when you start to I mean it's hard to explain like I just always know when I've been in those sad places that a shift in my energy starts to happen and I start to go okay I want to I want to get out of bed today or I want to brush my teeth or I want to take a bath and then you start to that little thing taking a shower when you've been in bed for a week starts to feel really really good you know but also I think just um like we were saying before is like be with that voice just being kind to yourself and allowing Mm. like it's okay this is how I feel right now Mm. and it's okay that I feel like this and not trying to fight it or change it I think that's really can be really difficult really difficult yeah Yeah. it's really difficult but it's like you kind of put yourself if it was your child you know like what would you 
what would you say to your child and yeah or do you would just hug them and hold them and wait for it to pass and again the buddhists are really good at stuff like this (laughs) yeah they got a lot of good (laughs) sayings at times like this because they say things like sometimes you just have to sit in the dark with somebody you know and just having a person that you trust and that you love that you know I think it's when we resist it that it becomes more difficult when Mm. we're ashamed of it when we try and hide it um, when we want it to change quicker than it's changing is when it becomes really difficult yeah and I know we've touched already quite a lot on what your books involve Mm. but and I guess essentially where they were spurred from was was from your upbringing and the way you wanted to treat yourselves. But for people who maybe haven't read your books mm. and don't know much about either of you, it would be lovely if you could explain a little bit more about both of them because they're both great. <laughs> well, self-care was just us bringing together all our years of experience and knowledge, um, how we've helped other people and helped ourselves and teaching us why it's important to look after ourselves. You know, like, the English aren't great at that. Yeah. And the Americans are much better at that. And so we wanted to be able to introduce it into the culture and explain why it was important. It's not selfish. Um, The more that you feel good, the more you have to give other people. And that's what we were trying to pass on. And then when it came to rituals, so rituals talks about the difference between what a habit is and what a ritual is. And a habit is something that we do mindlessly, like brushing our teeth. And a ritual is when we pay attention and we set an intention. So you could brush your teeth and make it into a ritual by like really paying attention in that moment. And I don't know, like doing a breathing meditation while you're brushing your teeth but just so it's like changing the way that we do things to be much more um what's the word I'm looking for mindful mindful in the moment mm, and yeah yeah totally present and also just we're going through life just um it's so fast life and we we don't we're not feeling it all the time and so what rituals is doing is making the mundane special and the special really special yeah and when we were talking when you were talking about um you know things that could cause depression if we're well for for anyone if you have heartbreak or you lose someone that's really dear to you and you're grieving that in the book we also mark those too so we're not bypassing the bad Mm. stuff and only celebrating the good stuff and that the some of the difficult things it's rich it's almost like rich fodder you know it's like good um difficult times can be fertile times to learn things about yourself and to grow I suppose that wasn't what I was trying to say but it was something like that and I think that um the book is good in that way it's that it's not so much celebrating the bad times, but it's helping you move through those times. Yeah. And off the back of their huge successes, mm. um, you're now launching an online course, aren't you, in mm. January? Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about that? Um, it's a four-week course called A Gentle Revolution, 
and what we wanted to do is bring the books to life and create a community around it so that we're all kind of doing it together and um, each week there's a different theme and we have um, recipes and uh, yoga videos and meditations and tasks on there so that every day um, every week we're doing this together as a community and as a group and we're really excited about it it'd be good so just like I can nudge Nadia we can kind of nudge each other nudge like a whole group and yeah it'd be amazing I'm really looking forward to seeing what it's all about and hopefully taking part in it I'd love to do it I think it sounds really exciting and I think it's a nice way like you said to bring the books to life because there's it's one thing reading a book and being like yeah that's really good and I want to do that and then actually doing it so I think like having something that you're joined in especially with a group as well Mm because I think that a lot of things with self-care or just life in general doing stuff on your own can be quite difficult quite challenging sometimes I think like with exercise and maintaining things like Mm. it can to to know you have a support group behind you I think is a really nice idea well even just while we were writing it there were so many things that we didn't even like we'd write a week and then suddenly I'd notice that I'd be doing all these things that were in the week that I've just written and I'm Mm. like oh that felt really good yeah they're just little reminders and yeah like you said we're just helping each other along I think there's there's some kind of um percentage I can't remember what it is I think it's like 40 percent more likely to do something when you're doing it in a group Oh really? Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm totally right with the percentage, but I have a feeling I am. And that when you're doing things in a group, which is why when you go to a class, or if you have a friend that you can go along to a class with, a yoga class with, you're more likely to do it. Kathy and I have just started a samba dance class. I saw on your stories on Instagram. I love watching so it. Fun. It's so fun, and we're so bad at it. But I definitely, and I run on a Tuesday night from teaching my yoga class that finishes at seven thirty. I run to get to samba by as close to eight as I can. The class starts at seven forty-five, and if Katia wasn't there, I probably would find excuses not to do it. Mm. You know, but you're there waiting. But for she's her to there. She's <laughs> there dancing, and I like see her, and I'm like, okay, I'm here, Aww. and that's a nice feeling. And so that's what we're hoping is that in community we're going to nudge each other along so that we can do the little bit of yoga every morning, or go for yeah. a walk, or do whatever the things are that make us feel good. Um, and so that will be coming out in January. Yeah, it should be the end of January. We're just it will be. It will be. It'll be the end of January. It'll be that. Yeah. See, that's the her universe. voice going. <laughs> yeah, you see, that's I have my to negative her voice. Yeah, my negative voice all week is like, "This is stressing me out." We haven't, and Carty's like, "All right, let's break it down. What do you need me to do?" And so it's good that we have each other. But if you follow us on at Nadia and Katia or um, on our website all the information will be on there amazing um and i know you obviously have your two bibles of uh self-care tips and tricks um but it would i think it would be really nice to kind of finish the episode on your individual go-to things that help you get through a bad mental health day so whether Mm -hmm. that's if you're feeling really anxious katia or if you can feel yourself getting into a lower mood nadia Mm -hmm. like what you find helps you the most so for me, it would be to get out of my head. 
and like to get really into my body samba now <laughs> I'm so happy I found it and I'm doing it twice a week and when I come out of it I'm just oh there's so much space in my chest and it's just open and I feel really good but before that I would just move at home so I have um TRE which I studied and I do which is a tension release or trauma release exercises oh, okay. and it gets your body into a shake and that just releases the tension and the trauma out of the body so it's really oh, wow. really good for anxiety and any sort of mental health stuff and for me it's um usually I mean it's tricky because when you're having a bad day like you said it's hard to do those things so it might be that I just make myself go for a walk mm -hmm. you know and just be in the park or just walk around the block and just shift the energy a bit but I think the important thing about practice is that you almost want to try and do it when you're feeling good mm -hmm. so that you can have um, savings in your self-care bank account for the difficult times and that's the problem is that we don't take care of it all the time and so when we hit a difficult day we're in debt mm. and it's harder to come out of it so just trying to do a few minutes each day of something good however you may feel is going to be really helpful on the bad days amazing yeah. oh thank you so much both of you i love speaking to you oh, thanks for, thank having, you us. for having us Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate, review and subscribe. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at listen.louder. I'd love to chat with you.